people in their 20s and 30s and beyond tend to feel this pressure to define what their life's purpose is as if we have only one purpose to define us for the rest of our lives. Lately, we've seen people pushing back on this ideal as we see the emergence of the gig economy and pushing away from careers and more into balance and enjoyment. This nomadic lifestyle that remote work has brought us where we can truly do whatever we want and work from wherever we want. Despite the trends of going back to the office and things like that, COVID really changed things for us, especially those of us just coming out of college. It was definitely a game changer in the sense that everything we were taught about how jobs work as kids from our parents or from teachers, it kind of all went out the window. Like, the competition changed, who we were in class with completely changed. So many people dropped out of school entirely or decided to pursue other things. Maybe they totally changed their career path. And for me, going about really big changes in my life, something that I have come to realize as far as purpose is quite vague compared to what I would have assumed my purpose would be. You don't just have one purpose. You have an entire moving being of energy that is going to change and is going to have different needs as your life evolves. For example, your needs as a teenager will be entirely different than a mother or as a working professional, as a teacher, as a boss. Your life changes when people are depending on you in different ways and you're no longer just being taken care of. Something that I've realized through the different jobs that I've had over the years, I tended to always gravitate towards roles where I would be helping people or mentoring people. The easiest way to characterize that is to say, oh, what a great thing, whatever. I think that the real message within all of that is that part of my life's purpose is to impart knowledge onto other people, whether that is through mentorship, building friendships, advising, managing, building connections, being open. I think all of those things are ways to share your knowledge with other people. I feel like the opposite of that, that's almost counterintuitive, is when people feel the need to gatekeep, as we say now, or keep all of our little tips and tricks in a box for ourselves. This came up recently for me in a really random way. I've been talking a lot on my show about fitness. I was recently trying out a new Pilates studio that was highly recommended to me, and it was a little bit underwhelming, I'm not gonna lie. And that's okay, you know, not everything is for everyone. But there was this girl who was talking to me afterwards, um, asking me, oh, like, do you think you're going to join? I was like, oh, you know, I'm not sure. I'm still going to be looking around a bit. I was then telling her that there are several other studios that have similar offerings that are probably for a little bit cheaper. For me, because of my experiences, I feel like I'm able to share that knowledge with other people and kind of like give a little bit of advice. Of course, like you should see if someone wants advice like before you ask them. But I have seen a lot of people just get 
cheated or taken advantage of because they just didn't know people don't know what to ask for let's say in like a salary negotiation people don't know what to ask for all of these things in like a benefits package that you're supposed to talk about with your employer i didn't know what any of it meant the first time i got a job and they were using all these acronyms and i was like I don't know what an IRA is. It stands for Individual Retirement Account. I don't know what a 401k should look like or how much money I should put in it. To be honest, I still don't really understand how 401ks work. A lot of people just aren't raised in an environment where you're taught this because your school isn't going to teach it to you, so it has to come from your parents. And if your parents don't know about it or if they don't tell you, then you're kind of fucked. So you kind of just have to figure it out on your own. And that's the part of life that I don't like, (laughs) quite frankly. Like, I think that it shouldn't be this hard for people to just land on their feet. I think it's a little bit ridiculous at this point. We live in such a wealthy country, and yet people are lacking the basic knowledge that they need to make ends meet and to simply live a stable enough lifestyle where they're not housing insecure or food insecure. There's so many people, so many people who are really close to me who are going through that and it sucks because it's something that truly affects so many people that's kind of why i center my work around helping marginalized communities and i say helping kind of like sharing my experiences being a person of color in the united states is a very isolating experience and if we can help each other just a little bit in my opinion it's kind of like embedded in who we are is community and lifting people up and that's that's me that's where i come from another hard truth that i have had to learn in adulthood so far especially when it comes to your relationships with other people and work versus personal is people might be really really nice to you and say really nice things but when it comes down to it they don't really look out for you and they don't vouch for you in the same thread like there are people who will and like will passionately defend you and lift you up and i love people like that but i think i would also kind of caution people who i don't want to say people who are like naive because that sounds like mean (laughs) but i think i was a little bit naive when i started my first job i mean it's easy to assume the best in people when you haven't seen anything otherwise but it's important to protect yourself and to protect your peace and your energy despite how people around you might seem and that's not to be cynical it's literally to protect yourself we are our own best advocates whether it's your job or your friend group or whatever you need to know what your values are and where you stand that's probably the biggest takeaway i had from college was learning how to identify what my values are I led this like mentoring group of freshmen where that was one of the exercises that we did was a values elimination activity that anyone that went to my school had to do. And it was always my favorite lesson because I got to learn so much about the students I was mentoring and I enjoyed watching them learn about themselves. Sometimes in life we have this gut feeling that something is wrong or someone is not doing the right thing or that you just feel really strongly towards one thing or another but you don't really have the language to identify what that is 
you just kind of know. And I think what I learned is how to find that language and how to be confident in your words in saying, no, this is what I care about. This is what I value. And if what you are doing does not align with my values, then it's not for me. That is a superpower to have that plenty of adults well into their lives still don't have. Being able to pinpoint that, it helps you in so many ways when you're finding a partner, when you are looking into graduate programs, when you're deciding where you want to live in the world, when you want to figure out what type of lifestyle you want to have and what kind of job you need to have that lifestyle. It's so, so important. When I say that I might know like what one of my life's purposes is, and that's to help people to impart knowledge, I don't know if that would have been something that I would have said coming into college. I don't think it would have been. I think I would have said my life's purpose is to effectuate change or something flashy like that. It would have been big world problems that I'm going to go solve. And now I'm realizing that trying to devote yourself to righting all the wrongs of society and filling all the gaps in broken systems, it will do nothing but drain you completely. And some people are so devoted to the work that they're okay with that and they consciously accept that going into the roles that they take on. And I think that's great. For me, knowing myself and my capacity, devoting my life to something that may never be solved, <laughs> may never be resolved in my lifetime, that's not a way that I want to live. And I think I've decided that for myself. I stand firmly in my beliefs and personal pedagogy of what I believe in and what I think is right and wrong, but I think we all deserve to enjoy life and see the fruits of our labor in our lifetime and to experience that with the people around us. Being a martyr for a cause is something that is expected of a lot of people of color. What does Elaine Walteroth call it? She's like, first only other or first only next or something like that where you're like the first person of color to do this. You're the only person of color who's ever done this. You're the only woman that's ever done this. And we get caught up in celebrating all of this. Something she always says is like, no one really cares about what happens to the first or the only. It's just the fact that you were the first or you were the only. No one talks about the mental health burden that it takes to keep up with that type of lifestyle. And there's very few people in this world who understand what that's like. I experienced a bit of it and I find myself stuck between a rock and a hard place sometimes because I try to articulate to people, even people close to me, what my experiences were like with that. It's one of those things where people either understand or they don't <laughs> and that's okay. We can't force people to necessarily understand where we're coming from. The important thing for me is I learned what I don't have space for and what I don't want. You only know that by seeing the thing that you have prayed for and deciding, I actually don't like this. <laughs> I actually was way better off before this happened or I would be perfectly fine not having to experience this again. That gives you this level of peace where you are satisfied with what you have and you no longer feel the need for external validation, attention, or anything. I think that's the biggest thing I learned to detach from was the external validation. Almost to a point where I'm like a little bit apathetic towards it, but that's a whole other thing. I find it difficult to take things like compliments. I don't know, it's, it's a weird thing, but 
It's not natural to have constant attention on you all the time. When people become these like crazy powerful leaders and suddenly are under surveillance all the time, that's not a natural thing. That's not a normal experience. Yet it's something that a lot of people almost crave when they talk about wanting to be, let's use the example of like TikTok famous or something like that. Everybody wants to be TikTok famous. But do you know what that's really like? Like, do you know what that really means? And those girls that did get TikTok famous over COVID, think about Charlie D'Amelio and then she got a reality TV show. If you watch even one episode of it, the entire show is about mental health and how she and her sister are completely breaking down under the pressure. Yet people are completely glorifying (laughs) the fact that they're famous and oh, she got famous when she was 15. And now she's a 19 year old who struggles a lot with her emotional stability. Because this level of fame and attention is not natural. Emma Chamberlain talks about it as well. And she says, when the public is your boss, it's a game changer. You're never, ever going to make people happy. So how do you define success? Some people do find peace with that. Self-acceptance, where they know that all they can do is their best and they're not going to make everybody happy. But some people will cripple under the pressure to satisfy every single person that has an opinion about what they create. For artists and creators, it's a really big deal. My experiences have taught me that the end goal is peace. That's it. The end goal is not having to worry about everything all the time. (laughs) Having a sense of peace with the world, with yourself, with the people around you and your friendships. Your friendships should not drain you. The people around you should not drain you. And if they are, then that's a sign that maybe you need to be looking elsewhere. Whenever I go on social media and I encounter people who I used to be friends with or I used to admire, relate to, connect with, identify with, sometimes I see them if they haven't changed and if they're still more or less the same. I'm like, wow, like I don't identify with this at all anymore. This is not who I am at this point in my life. And I remember what it was like to be so caught up in these things, but this no longer resonates with me. So then, you know, sometimes I go and I unfollow those accounts. (laughs) It takes a while to get there. It's really hard for me to think about how much I used to admire certain figures, especially to be specific, people in the organizing and activist space who I really looked up to they started their own organization or they started their own publication they were recognized by this like major university or they won this huge award had this massive instagram following and i was like wow like they're really doing it they're doing all the work and then you (laughs) then you read an article about someone unpacking how like they are actually harmful to the community like there's always something but even if there isn't You know when you're looking at someone's content or when you're hearing them talk and you're just like, wow, like you really have just like such a negative view of the world or you're just not happy with anything. And that might be a tough pill for some people to swallow. And I know some people might not want to hear that and that's okay. But for me, it's been a big question for me to ask myself, do I want to be someone who is perpetually dissatisfied with everything in the world and there are so many people coming out of college who are like incapable of being happy with anything and a lot of people like that i would surround myself with i think it took a massive toll on my mental health 
Because these are the people who in their rooms alone on Twitter are (laughs) trying to intellectualize the deepest, most intricate global social issues, thinking that their opinion is more grand and more important than anyone else's. And when you're around people like that all the time, one, it makes you feel stupid, and two, it kind of lowers your optimism about the future. You're kind of in this little bubble of really like politically driven people, whereas the majority of the world is so divested from these issues that because of that level of divestment, there's so much that we simply cannot control because of like public opinion and low political efficacy and civic engagement. So why not do what we're good at? and find something that makes us feel purposeful and engaged and connected to other human beings and not judging people. It does not matter how much money someone makes. It does not matter how they compare to you. It doesn't matter if they're contributing to some massive life-altering project. It doesn't matter. Like As long as people are doing what they want and it makes them happy, why does it matter? Or even if they're still figuring it out, how does that affect you? There's just so much comparison and so much negativity going on in the world and it's just not really something that I buy into anymore. Especially when people are talking about something that they're struggling with and someone chooses to respond to that with judgment, I have a big problem with that. Because it's hard to be upfront and honest about the things that you're going through and then to hear judgment and criticism from people when you're already feeling insecure about like what you're doing. That's really hard. So yeah, that's, that's what I have to say.